0: Conversation on the way up here this morning or yesterday morning? Yesterday. Um, and and one of the common denominators you guys have been hearing through the weekend has been the word of God. And I told I I mentioned a little bit what happened to me fifteen years ago up at the ranch. I went there as an unwilling participant, but I, I came away with two decisions from that, just two. Uh, One was that I was not going to count equality with God a thing to be grasped, which meant that it was going to be His will, not mine. And I knew exactly what that meant. For me, I'd been running my whole life and asking God to come along for the ride. And and that was going to be His ride, not mine. And the second one was a harder decision for a number of reasons, but it was to let the Word of God be authoritative in my life. And um, that decision has changed my life beyond comparison. Um, I can't even give you words to describe it. But what I can do is, I, and I, I don't know if I can articulate this well enough, but you have to become men of the Word. You have to write it on your heart any way you can. I don't care if you sleep on it, I don't care if you memorize it, I don't care if you get with a bunch of guys and read it, but make it a discipline of your life because the only two things that last that go into eternity are our relationships, people. You know, this is what's going into eternity. And the Word of God. That's the only two things. And the extent that you write it on your heart, is the, it, God will honor that and make you fruitful through that process. These guys are all different. You've heard They're different personalities. The guys that are teaching have the spiritual gift of teaching. But it does not take the spiritual gift of teaching to become a man of the Word. What it takes to become a man of the Word is getting into the word like it is a life sin. The thing that helped me with scripture memorization was I thought what would what would I want on a desert island this is after I was years into the process if I had it have one thing and nothing else and it was the word I said I, I would want the word of God that's, that was a real real answer for me I said what would I take with me if I didn't have one and I had about you know twelve verses the word, so you know that's what I had and then I thought, well, it's not likely that I'm going to be on a desert island. But what if there's persecution and I'm in jail? Okay, that could happen. What if I was sitting in a cell and the not have the Bible? What would I take with me? And, and gentlemen, that, that's, that is not an unreal possibility with what we're heading into. It's not an unreal possibility. You would not have access to the Word. What would you have in your heart written on it? So please, if you take something from this, uh, this time take the Word of
1: God and commit to becoming a man of that Word. If you do, God will richly bless you. Please. Lord, we've had so much information come at us in two days and uh, You have blessed us beyond our expectation and uh, we are grateful. Lord, we're on the final stretch here and... uh, Ask that you would just clear our minds. And uh, well, we've been blessed by lots of men this weekend, and we have one more session with Bob Foster. So he's got a plane to catch. And uh, so, for the last time, this time, let's welcome Baba. Thank you. You're gonna hook me up. I am. Okay, I got a jacket on, so I got something to hook to. <laughs> I think we all appreciate what Jim has done in putting this all together and giving this leadership, right? I want to thank you for your graciousness to me. Um uh, Because of my work responsibilities at the ranch, uh, I do two of these a year, one in the spring and I'll be in Houston, Texas uh, sometime in early fall. And you know how sometimes your schedule controls your life? And I looked at my <laughs> date book and I thought, wow, wow. How in the world did I ever get involved in all these things? Uh, Starting six weeks ago, I'm away from home every Thursday through Sunday or Saturday night uh, through uh, Memorial Day. And uh, I thought, you know, there's so many guys that could go to Cleveland Ohio and do a better job, and there are. But I know that the reason that I'm here is because of what I receive and what it does for me. And any little part that I can have in giving my... That's just uh, God's grace. But uh, to be with you all and uh, to listen to Bill and uh, Winston and the testimonies is a blessing. Uh, I would encourage you not only to get Walt Hendrickson's little devotional, but... Uh, Bill referred to it several times And he's really not that smart uh, He just has a lot of books And he has a computer And he's got a, he's got a brilliant wife uh, And as most attorneys He's faking it most of the way And uh, he talks about his uh, strong concordance And if you do not have a concordance I would encourage you to get one There are three one is called the Young's Concordance, and that's for those of you who are young. One is called Crudence, and that's for those of you who are crude. And uh, that's about where you're coming from. And then there's the one that Bill uses. It's, he calls it the Strong. It's for the strong, good-looking, and out-there-in-front concordance. And uh, so if you want to be strong, good-looking, and out-there-in-front Well, I get Bill's concordance. You can get any one of these three, young, crudence, or uh, strong, at a local Christian bookstore. And I agree with him. Uh, I very seldom can prepare a message or even do a Bible study without using my concordance. But get one that's unabridged. A concordance is nothing more than all the words of the Bible put together. So if you want all the these of the Bible, there are probably 30 pages of them. And all the ands. (laughs) Uh, And it is a tremendous help as you want to get to know the Bible. Eight years ago in June was a turning point of my life. was on the main drag of Edinburgh, Scotland when I discovered that my wife of 53 years or 50 years at that time had Alzheimer's and a gal who was honors and high honors all through her schooling days with a brilliant mind and a love for God. I would memorize a verse out of Philippians and she'd memorize the book of Philippians. I would struggle with 1 John 1.9, not only to memorize it, but try to put it into practice. And she would memorize 1 John. And we would travel and I would share my few little verses uh, that I carry around in my pocket, uh, so proud of my, you know, little playing cards uh, with a few verses on them, and uh, she would just open up and share the Word of God. And now to see your sweetheart, and the mind is beginning to go, she took care of me. those years now it's my privilege to take care of her and I just want to prepare you guys that the time will come for many of you when you'll have the privilege to dress her buy her clothes put on her pantyhose undress her put her to bed bathe her put food in her mouth The day comes. Never dreamed it would. But God gives grace. And what a privilege. What a privilege to live those five years with the mother of your four children, grandmother to your ten grandchildren. And so our family got together and decided... Let's pray that God will take her. Well, that's a tough one, huh? Uh, yeah, I believe in divine healing. But I felt the divine healing would be for her to go to heaven, to be with Jesus, because one of these days I'm going to go there and be with her. No more Alzheimer. Mind is complete. She's like Jesus. She went to be with the Lord on August the 12th. 96. And I can remember so clearly sitting in the waiting room of the hospice there in Colorado Springs trying to undergird myself for that which I knew was going to happen within the next few days. How would I handle it? How do you handle when you lose? Your partner, your sweetheart, your friend, your lover. And so I prayed three things for myself. And I'd share them with you this afternoon before we get into the book of Proverbs. Number one, I prayed, Lord, help me to be patient during the healing process after she goes home to be with you. I'm an impatient guy. I want it now. I I like action. (laughs) Waiting and patience is not a virtue of my life. And yet I knew that I needed to learn the lessons of what would happen after she was gone. My second prayer was, God, don't let me become a dirty, bitter old man. So many of my peers who had lost their spouses got involved in sex problems, became angry with God, uh, left, left their first love, not only with their wife, but with their Lord. And today, I don't keep track too much. They don't want to keep track with me, but I just know that they're just a skeleton of what they used to be in their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, their 60s, their 70s. God, I don't want to be that kind of a man. My third prayer was, may the latter years of my life, how long it may be, may they be fruitful and bountiful years. You know like verse I gave to you yesterday and he shall be like a tree planted, bringing forth fruit in his season. And I'm here to testify three years after I prayed that prayer be three years in August that God has been good. and these have been good years. Happy years. Yeah, they're lonely years. I didn't know how to handle loneliness. But I'm learning how. (laughs) It's a process. And so I share that with you because so many of you have asked. And I just pray that when this happens to you and when it does, we trust Jesus comes before that happens, that you will handle the healing process. That the latter years of your life will not be in sin, but they will be full of fruit and joy and rejoicing and a blessing to others. You know, one of the greatest things in life is to be a grandfather. I thought being a dad was great. Some of you guys can identify, but wait. And the ministry and and what the Bible has to say about being a grandfather and the ministry of being a grandfather. And to take these kids out for meals and to do things with them. And my little granddaughter, who has an illegitimate son by a high school marriage, he's the one that has cancer on his leg and last week I had dinner with her and I slipped AJ a $50 bill and I said AJ I know you don't have any money and I know your parents are supporting you and she's facing by the end of this year upwards to $500,000 in medical bills it's 50 bucks but you know to let her know that her granddaddy is on her team and even though granddad didn't agree with that lifestyle five years ago that granddaddy loves that little tighter boy and granddaddy loves AJ and this is just a little something from my heart to your heart That's great, huh? Good days. Good days. So I'm excited about going home tonight. And uh, I don't know if A.J. will meet me or Aaron or Amanda or Janna, my daughter, at the airport. And then I teach my class in the morning. And then I'll be at the uh, ranch tomorrow afternoon. And we welcome uh, 110 high school kids from Topeka, uh, Kansas who are seniors and uh, this is their senior sneak and they'll be at the ranch until next Friday so that's my that's why I'm leaving <laughs> high school kids huh would you turn to the sixth chapter of the book of uh, Philippians uh, Philippians Proverbs I'd like to share with you five critical problems that every businessman faces, and they're found here in the sixth chapter of the book of Proverbs. Five critical problems. I'd like to review for you a little bit of the early part of Proverbs, but time is of essence here, and I want to get right into it. And I have entitled this chapter, Honoring God as I craft a lifestyle that will please Him. Chapter 1 is fearing God. If you read it, you'll see that is the theme. Chapter 2 is knowing God. Chapter 3 is hearing God. Chapter 4 is following God. Chapter 5 of Proverbs that uh, Bill has shared with us on several of his beautiful talks is Before God. Crafting a lifestyle before God, my sex life, my relationship to women, the opposite sex. And now in chapter 6, Five Ways in which I can honor God or dishonor Him in my lifestyle. I'm going to give you the outline. You know, there's three little points of public speaking. Tell them what you're going to say, say it, and then tell them what you said. Or stand up, speak up, and shut up. So, verses 1 through 5... Get out of the financial trap. This has to do with co-signing notes, but it's bigger than that. Get out of the financial trap. And the key word is go humble thyself in verse (laughs) 3. Roman numeral number 2, verses 6 through 11 Get out of bed. And it's the first word of verse 6. Go to the ant, thou slugger. (laughs) So get out of the financial trap. Get out of bed. Verses 12 through 19. Get right with God. Verses 12. talks about walking, the worthless person, or go, the way he goes, and the different parts of his body that it talks about that is not right with God. Verses 20 to 23, get into the Word of God. And the key verse is 22. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. When thou wakest, it shall talk with thee. (laughs) Get into the Word of God. And then verses 24 to the end of the chapter. Get out of the fire. Verse 29. He that goeth, into his neighbor's wife. He's got his body on fire. So let's back up. Verses 1 through 5. You notice how it starts? Just like we talked about yesterday. Proverbs basically from Solomon's heart preparing his young son for national leadership. How can you as a young man be crafting your life so that 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now you can be a leader in your community? You can be a leader in your church? You can help take over your dad's business? Whatever. Whatever. So Solomon says, My son, if thou be surety for thy neighbor, if thou hast struck thy hand with a stranger, in other words, made a deal, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth, and thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. In those days, we didn't have all these contracts. We didn't have all that paperwork to make a deal. We just agreed. Your word was your bond, huh? You shook hands and that was it. I'd like to buy that car. I'd like to buy that tractor. I'd like to buy that farm. And that was good enough. Integrity. But if you have done these things and are snared in a financial situation that's way beyond you, he says in verse this, Now do this, my son. He says, don't do it. But if you have done it, deliver yourself when thou art come into the hand of thy neighbor. In other words, he pulls the rug out. He calls in the note. Go, humble thyself and importune thy neighbor. Beg of him. It reminds you over in the book of Luke, on prayer, the importunity. Didn't want to wake up his neighbor, but because of the need for the visiting guests, he got him out of bed. Importune thy neighbor. Give not sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thy eyelids. Deliver thyself like a roe from the hand of the hunter and like a bird from the hand of the fowler. And if there's anything that puts a damper on your personal life in your marriage. It's finances that you cannot handle. Yes, in this case, it's signing a note on behalf of somebody else. It may be credit cards. It may be the purchase of a home way over your financial ability. It may be something that you have no control over, like sickness. My little... Great grandson Tyler's cancer down on his ankle. But, humble yourself. Don't give sleep to your, in other words, get with it. Don't just twiddle your thumbs, well, you know, God will work it out. Solomon says, Son, before you get into that situation, think about it. But if you get into it, The ranch wasn't doing good, too good. Well, that sounds natural, doesn't it? Uh, we operate at best on a three to five percent uh, net on a good year. Uh, first year we had the ranch, '61. Uh, uh, we uh, grossed uh, 50, fifty-seven thousand, and our bills and our indebtedness was seventy-nine. Well, I thought we got to do better than that, and so we did. The next year, uh, our gross was around eighty, and our bills were around hundred and twenty. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you were, you know, time will come, and the two will come together and pass. Uh, wow! So I thought, well, I got to do something about this. So bless these Christian brothers that have ideas on how to get you out of a financial mix. One from Lincoln, Nebraska, and one from Seattle, Washington, says, We got it for you, Bob. Let's build a restaurant. And uh, the guy from Nebraska, he had the idea. He had the franchise. It was his deal, and he was very successful. The guy from Seattle was going to manage it. And so we shook hands on the deal. The problem was, I was the local guy. And I'm the one that signed the small business loan. And I'm one that went to the bank on South Nevada and worked it out with the banker for a line of credit. And the first year, (laughs) man, the people poured into that restaurant, Kings Crest. We thought, man, we got this made in the shade on the downhill grade. And then somehow or other, there was no cash in the till. And somehow or other, taxes weren't being paid. And somehow or other, my dear Christian brother from Seattle had taken his furniture and had disappeared along with about $50,000 of cash. And Jim called from Nebraska and said, Boy, Bob, you've got a problem, don't you? And I said, What do you mean you? It's we. Well, he said, All right, I'm not in it. Uh, it's your name. And those were the years where every month I was reading through the book of Proverbs. Proverbs. And I came to the sixth day of November, and I read this. (laughs) Humble yourself. And I went to the banker, and I laid it all out. Oh, that was a humbling situation. I went to the small business office up in Denver and laid it all out. They closed the doors mainly because taxes hadn't been paid. Mary and I lost our home. They didn't go after the ranch because we'd set it up as a corporation. They didn't go after my business in California because it was in California. Uh, They closed our savings account. And for the next five years... Mary and I were paying off the indebtedness. So when I read, My son, (laughs) deliver thyself. I just want to encourage you fellas with your finances. Get out of the trap. Not just going into business with somebody else or shaking hands on a deal. But with your wife, make sure you're living within your income. And that you have a planned financial strategy to operate with that which God has given to you. Enough said. Go. And it is a humbling process. In a world today where the culture is, you know, give it, you know. Get out there and don't worry. You can always declare bankruptcy. You can always weasel out. There's always some way somebody will be a savior. Get out of the trap. Six through eleven, get out of bed. (laughs) Wow. Good management of one's time. God says, consider this little animal that I have made the ant. Consider her ways and be wise. They don't have a guide, overseer, ruler, chairman of the board, president, or manager. <laughs> a little extra in the revised version there. But they provide their food in the summer and they gather their food in the harvest. How long are you going to sleep, old slugger? When are you going to rise out of your sleep? Get a little slumber, a little sleep, a little folding of the hands to sleep? So thy poverty will come like one that travaileth, and thy want like an armed man. I think getting out of bed is not just being lazy or being a slugger is the word here. By the way, a good study in Proverbs is to study the word slugger. I don't have time this afternoon. But there are 15 references that I have found that speak to 15 different aspects of a life. And I believe here, it isn't just being lazy. It is a matter of going to the ant and being diligent about planning and thinking through and having priorities and realizing that this is springtime But there's going to be the summer, and there's going to be the fall, and there's going to be next winter. Are you thinking ahead? Or is it just for now? Go to the ant. Consider her ways. So, I could go to the hummingbirds. They'll come back the first week of May to Colorado. Man, they're a lovely little animal, a little bird. They winter down in the Yucatan. Hundreds of thousands of them. And then they go up to California and southern Oregon. And then the first week of May, they come across the Rockies. We can almost set our calendars by their arrival in Colorado. And they're there until we take the feeders down. We have to take them down the end of August. And then they go into the airstream. And they'll go all the way down through New Mexico and over into Arizona, and sometimes if the wind's right, they'll whip across the Gulf of Mexico, and there's a great big valley down there. If you take the National Geographic, you can look up hummingbird, and there's a wonderful story. I can go to them. I can go to the deer. I can go to the elk. I can go to the beavers that are on Goose Creek that we have three miles of, and I can learn from them. But God says, for His own divine reason go to the ant. And that in itself is a humbling experience, huh? A few weeks ago when I was working on this, I was down in Clearwater, Florida and sitting out on the patio and I had been eating a hamburger that my daughter-in-law had prepared and uh, right on along the edge of the patio why there were some ants. So I thought, well, I'll experiment with this. So I took some of the mustard And I put it down there on the edge of the patio and I took some of the mayonnaise and put it down there. And I took a piece of the lettuce and put it down there. And there were just three or four or five ants around. I thought, I want to see what they're going to do with that food. Now you don't do that in a hurry, huh? When it says go to the ant, you don't just go there and look around and leave, you know. You wait. They're not in a hurry. I had lunch at 20 after 12. At 3 o'clock in the afternoon when my son came home from the church, I was still sitting there. And those half a dozen ants had come back and now there were scores of them. I was going to say hundreds, but um, I'm not a lawyer. And uh, they, were, they were there. And they were interesting. They didn't go after the mustard. But they went after the man, and they went after that little leaf of lettuce. Bob, go to the ant. No guide, no overseer, no ruler, but they have their needs taken care of. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, how I love Philippians four nineteen. My God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory, how? Christ. By Christ Jesus.
0: <clears throat>
1: Philippians 4.19 If you haven't memorized it, get it on your heart. My God, and He is my God, shall supply... Of your needs, he gives it through Christ Jesus, his Son. And here's all my needs down here. God knows what my needs are. My God shall supply all of your needs. What's the next phrase? Why? According to his riches in glory. This is his riches in glory. The treasure house, all of the triune God has, and he's gonna give it to me through Jesus Christ. This is the vehicle to God be the glory, huh? Great things he hath done. Number three, get right with God. But you notice the parts of the body that are mentioned here. Verse 12, it's the mouth. Verse 13, it's the eyes, the feet, the fingers. Verse 14, perverseness is in his heart where he deviseth mischief continually. He sows discord. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly. Suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. Why does God use these different parts of the anatomy? Because various fellows have different ways of doing their thing. Some use their eyes. Some use their fingers. Some use their feet. Some they do it with their heart. Some with their mouth. (laughs) My wife had a verse in the kitchen Proverbs 10:15 In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin but she that keepeth her lips is wise You can talk too much and the more you talk the more the temptation to sin To be a good listener and the problem here is I get right with God. I need to check my mouth. I need to check my eyes. I was, I was doing a service, a uh, Bible study with some service guys in Long Beach, California, during the Korean War uh, back in the, what, 50s, early 50s. And uh, it was up uh, in the servicemen's center, 44 stairs up on Pine Boulevard there in Long Beach. And right across the street was a little pie shop. And so after the Bible study, uh, one of the sailors off one of the ships there in Long Beach uh, hadn't had supper, so he and I went down the stairs and we were waiting at the red light to cross over to go into the pie shop. And as we were waiting there, he slipped a piece of paper into my hand and he said, if you'd look at this after I have left, this is my application from the Bible study tonight. You notice I didn't say anything. I, I just didn't feel it was right. But it's on that piece of paper. I want you to see it. And it was a fellow I respected, and I've been discipling and helping out. And And he was on the USS Cursarge. I can remember that. And uh, we had our pie and coffee, and we shook hands, and he took off and and uh, down to get aboard uh, for his ship. And I went back up to the service center, and... Uh, Took care of the business, and I got into my car, and I was heading up. We were living in South Pasadena, and I remember, and I reached into my pocket and pulled it out. His application, I don't remember the Bible study. His application was, I will look at no woman below her neck. Wow. What an application, huh? For a sailor. I will look at no woman below her neck. He winketh with His eyes. He speaketh with His feet. He teacheth with His fingers. Perverseness is in His heart. And then beginning with verse 16, get right with God. Or excuse me, yeah, well, it's part of getting right with God because 16 through 19 mentions the seven things that god hates and i think the application follows for us as we honor god is let's begin to hate the things that god hates let's love the things that god loves huh he loves the sinner he loves obedience he loves righteousness I want to love those things. But notice what he hates. A proud look. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that deviseth wicked imagination. Feet that are swift to run mischief. A false witness that speaks lies. And the cultivation, the pinnacle, he that soweth discord among the brethren. God, give me a hatred for that which displeases you. If you hate it, give me a holy hatred. That's tough talk, isn't it? Because we look at our own hearts. The look, the tongue, the hands, the heart, the feet, the mouth, and it's right... Where I live. And God says, Bob, if these are any of the things that you're doing, I hate it. I love you. And then verses 20 to 24 get into the Word. My son, keep thy father's commandments, forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thy heart and tie them upon thy neck. Well now, I thought it was God's instruction. It is. But Solomon is saying, through your dad and through your mother, you're going to get a message from God. And he intertwines. This is true in the book of Deuteronomy as well, but particularly in Solomon. Get into God's Word and hear what God is saying to you. Bind them continually upon your heart. Notice verse 3 of the next chapter. My son, keep my words and lay up my commandment with thee. Keep my commandments and live among the laws, the apple of the eye. Bind them upon thy fingers and write them upon the table of their heart. Now in the Hebrew... Bill left just at the right time so I can talk about Hebrew and I don't know whether he knows them right or wrong. But so many Hebrew words will have anywhere from four to ten different meanings depending on where it is. That's why Bible scholars will disagree on a certain portion of Scripture because no one knows for sure exactly what the Hebrew or the Greek word meant in that particular... They think they do. But the word bind here is the idea of a medical term. But it is also a nautical term where when a ship comes in to harbor, they tie it up at the dock. It also has the idea in farming agriculture where you tie a horse up uh, to the fence, uh, or to the post or so forth, so it won't... Uh, just run away. We know what the word bind is. It also has to do, a uh, uh, Hebrew word has to do with merchandising where you wrap a package in preparation for it to be sent on a trip. And it won't come apart. But whatever the, Greek, uh, the Hebrew word there is, God says take... The things of the Lord, that which you have been taught, dog- and bind them upon your heart and around your fingers. How much more intimate can it get than that, huh? And so, when I get on the air. Oh, that's some bills. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh.
1: Yeah, no. That's good. oh boy Wow Good stuff Anybody know Romans one sixteen? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ For it is the power of God and the salvation To everyone that believeth to the Jew first And also to the Greek Romans one sixteen. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Thank you. Isaiah 53.6 oh, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to our own way. And He hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. 53.6 I want to bind these upon my heart. Not just have in my pocket not just review them between here and Cincinnati an hour and a half in Cincinnati and then on my way to Caldwell Springs get into the word when it goes it will lead you when you sleep it will keep you when you awake it will talk with you For the commandment is a lamp and a light. The law is light. And reproof of instruction are the ways of life. Why? The next verse. Get out of the fire. To keep thee from the evil woman. From the flattery of the tongue of a foreign woman. And Bill has been camping on this to our benefit. Same thing in chapter 5. Same thing in chapter 6. Same thing in chapter 7. Why? Solomon knew, my son, these strange women, these foreign women, these prostitutes, these women of the street, these Christian women who are looking for a man. The wife who is unhappy with her marriage. There's a reason why God puts into the book of Proverbs three chapters that deal with this situation. And you notice, verse 27, Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not get burned? Good question, huh? Question number two, verse 28, Can one go upon hot coals And his feet not be burned. And in both. You don't even have to answer the word of God. The answer is yes. It's going to happen. So he that goeth into his neighbor's wife. Whosoever toucheth her. Shall not be innocent. I have a very dear friend, as some of you do. Unless it's forced upon him when he meets a woman, he will not embrace her. I'm raised in a family we're huggers. We're kissers. We show affection. <laughs> if my kids were here, why I'd be hugging and kissing my oldest son who's fifty four. That that's the way we are. But boy, what a temptation when you're with, in the church family or with friends, women. I had a guy at the ranch and uh, he came to me as an older staff member and uh, he uh, said, Mr. Foster, he said, I got a problem. And I said, what's that? He said, he mentioned a, a woman's name, almost old enough to be his mother. And I said, what about it? He said, well... Uh, whenever she comes to the ranch and they come every year, the family why she wants to give me a hug but when I go to give her a hug she turns her body and I said, well, she just doesn't want you to feel her breasts her mother probably has taught her that he said, that bothers me that she kind of turns her body when we hug and I said, well, be thankful for a woman like that Some go at you, you know, full blast, you know unless you feel the full dynamics of their body And boy, that starts a fire, huh? I don't care how spiritual you are Well, I I said rather than being resentful, be grateful That here is a woman who knows how to take care of her body You see, get out of the fire Ah, but I like the fire, you know the mind and that thing comes right down here into the heart and out into the hands and out into the eyes and as my high school coach used to tell me or tell us as a team most young men do their thinking below their belts I wondered at a 17-18 year ago, well, what, you know, what's my coach thinking about? You know, my thoughts are up here. I soon learned that he's right. And that's what he's talking about. This, these are five things that God says. Let's just go back and look at them once again. Will you with me? Number one, verses one through five, get out of the financial trap. Verses 6 through 11, get out of bed and set your priorities and learn from the ant. Verses 12 all the way through verse 19, get right with God. You hate what he hates. Verses 20 to 24, get into the word. Bind them upon your heart. I close with this. Song of Solomon has (laughs) been mentioned to us several times. So I thought, well, I haven't read that for a long time, so I'll read it. So last night, uh, while you guys were over here raising the roof after everything was all over with, um, T.J. was going a mile a minute and uh, getting ready for his pleasant dreams. I went back to the room and I thought, I'm going to read Song of Solomon. So I did. <laughs> and I came across the verse that I had memorized years ago and I'd forgotten all about it. Song of Solomon, 3.8. It's talking about Solomon as he would travel around and they'd pitch his tent someplace. And then because of the Maradian, uh, Maradian, uh enemies, But he had a band of soldiers that would stand duty around his tent. And he says, he's talking, he says, These men all hold swords. If I can get in there. Every man has his sword upon his thigh because of fear of the night. So here they are walking around Solomon's tent, protecting him. And they've all got their swords handy. And all of a sudden they see a dark shadow. Who goes there? And he's got his sword ready. Because it's on his thigh because of fear of the night. That is the way I want to be as a Christian soldier. I want to have the sword of the Spirit. The Word of God. Hebrews 4.12 Quick and powerful and sharper than any 2 edged sword piercing, dividing asunder, soul and spirit, and joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This is God's Word. And unless I am a swordsman that know how to use it, huh? If I'm an amateur... (laughs) This is going to be knocked out of my hands. It's is going to be knocked out of my heart. It's going to be knocked out of my life. Because Satan doesn't want us to get to know this book. They all hold swords. Being expert in war. Men, are we expert in this warfare for Jesus Christ? Are you an expert? Do you want to be an expert? We heard a testimony of a young army officer who was leading men. How could he lead men at West Point or over in Fort Carson if he was an expert in the rules and regulations of the United States Army unless he knew how to use the equipment, unless he could set the pace. Am I a soldier of the cross. <laughs> I don't have to wear the uniform. I don't have to just say the language. But I've got to know the captain. And I've got to know his sword, his, his artillery, his weapon. And I want to become expert. And our theme this weekend, Kindling anew the gift of god within you and every one of you has a gift from god you are unique there's nobody else in this room like you you may not be a bill you may not be a winston you may not be a jim but you're you and you have something to contribute to the body life and to this wonderful world of god that nobody else has and god said this weekend Kindle anew The gift Of God that's in you Let's pray about it Father if we're going to craft A lifestyle for your glory If we're going to be expert In war If we are going To discover and dedicate And develop The gift of God that's within us We best get on the same wavelength with you. We better get to know what's on your heart. We better get to know what's in your book. We better find out what is your plans for the future and get in step. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. And now, lead me and lead this band of men in the way everlasting. In Jesus' powerful name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for uh, blessing our time this weekend, and have a great trip back. Thank you. This is the end of this tape as well as the end of the conference. God bless each and every one of you, and pray you had a great time. God bless.